Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Koslick. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to share a couple upcoming events where you can hang out with us and enjoy some great cocktails or sample some of our amazing products. Fall and the holiday season are probably the busiest time of the year for us, which means you'll frequently find us setting up tables and booths at your favorite DC area festivals and holiday markets, so get ready for a whole lot more live events in the coming months. If you'd like to check out where we'll be for yourself, we've recently added a calendar feature to our website over at modernbarcart.com forward slash event. And if there are tickets involved, we'll always give you a link to those so you can pick them up. This coming Monday, September 17th, 2018, we'll be heading out to the Battle of the Bartenders hosted by our friends over at Catoctin Creek Distilling Company in Purcellville, Virginia. This event is unfortunately sold out, but if all goes well, we'll see if I can get some audio equipment in there and give you all an exclusive recap, including interviews with some of the incredible bartenders who will be squaring off to see who can take home the title. On Thursday, September 27th, we'll be slinging some drinks over at DC Inno's Coolest Companies event held at the WeWork Manhattan Laundry location here in Washington, D.C., so if you like tasty cocktails, innovative startups, and a little FaceTime with Modern Bar Cart, you can head on over to the calendar and grab your ticket from there. Finally, I know this is a bit far out, but we'll be setting up a tent at the Urban Market at Merrifield on October 13th from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., which will be held at the Mosaic District in West Falls Church, Virginia. At that event, you'll be able to sample our entire range of products and learn about some of the new projects we've been putting together for the holidays this year. We definitely look forward to seeing you all at these events, and we'll keep you posted so that you know when we'll be rolling into your neck of the woods. And now, I think this would be a good time for you to make yourself a drink. This week's featured cocktail, in line with the theme of this episode, will be a cocktail of the savory variety. This time around, we're talking about bone broth, of all things, and how you might incorporate this interesting ingredient into your boozy repertoire, and so I thought it might be fun to feature one of the quintessential savory cocktails, the Bloody Mary. Now, there are literally thousands of Bloody Mary recipes out there on the internet, and I trust your Googling skills, so instead of giving you a hard, fast recipe, I'm instead going to break down the components of the Bloody Mary and help you understand what it is at the most basic level and how you can then kind of tweak it to match your own personal tastes. The two most important components, of course, are vodka and tomato. Tomato usually in the form of either tomato juice or V8. This thing called clamato, which is kind of a tomato and kind of weird clam juice mix very big in Canada for some reason. And then of course there's also Bloody Mary mixes that are specifically blended uh, to be used in a Bloody Mary. In addition to the tomato, there's usually some extra vegetable component, whether that's blended into the mix or perhaps in the form of a garnish, which is classically a spear of celery or some sort of pickled vegetable. 
Once you get past those foundational ingredients, you usually encounter a bit of extra acidity, usually some lemon juice or maybe a vinegary hot sauce, and then some sort of savory spice, which can be almost anything under the sun. Some popular additions are Worcestershire sauce, Old Bay seasoning, celery salt, Cajun spice, and pretty much any hot sauce you can think of. And when you zoom out, this isn't a whole lot different from most cocktails out there, except that the base spirit is kind of replaced by the tomato. Vodka is just an alcohol vector that's meant to be seen but not heard in the case of the Bloody Mary. Then you've got a little acidity, a bit of spice, and a garnish. Sounds like all the boxes of a classic cocktail are being checked. We return to the Bloody Mary in a bit more depth later in this interview with my friend, Jana Lee Redmond. I caught up with Jana Lee at Union Kitchen in Washington, DC, and we took a deep dive into her area of expertise, bone broth. Now, I know that this might seem like a weird topic for a cocktail podcast, but it might not be as strange as you think. Back in episode 38 with chef Ariane Resnick, we also talked about how bone broth can be used to make cocktails healthier without sacrificing some of our favorite flavor components. So that was a great interview. Definitely head back and check out that episode to learn more. But I thought, since I happen to know someone who makes the absolute best bone broth I've ever tasted, I thought that this interview was just too good to pass up. Some of the things we discuss in this fascinating chat with Janalee Redmond include how bone broth is made and what separates an excellent bone broth from a mediocre one, the difference between collagen and gelatin, and how these foundational compounds play an important role in the healthy body, how to think about and use bone broth in both hot and cold cocktails, what Janalee is doing in the cutthroat world of bone broth racing, yeah, you heard me, to show that it's all downhill when you take gelatin out of bone broth and much, much more. You can learn more about Brainy Belly Bone Broth by visiting brainybelly.com or heading over to the show notes page at modernbarcart.com to check out some fun product info and videos. And with that said, we've got a serious bone to pick with my friend, Janalee Redmond. Janalee, thanks for being on the podcast. Happy to be here, Eric. So, Janalee, you and I have known each other for, for a little while now because we share the same kind of production, manufacturing, and office space at this place in D.C. called Union Kitchen where we both uh, manufacture our products. Right. Um, can you tell folks a little bit about what you make and why you started this company? Sure. Um, I started this company because I broke my stomach. and This company is just... Brainy belly. Right? Brainy belly. People don't realize that you can do that, but... In my mid-50s, I developed a lot of problems with my gut, and I, it ended up being an inflammatory situation where I could really not even get out of bed. So I spent the summer of 2012 going to doctors and not getting much help, and finally turned to Dr. Google. And Dr. Google pointed me to a program, um, a doctor in New York City who'd been treating kids with celiac successfully. So what did I have to lose? I tried it. Three days later, I was feeling so much better. I've been on it now for almost six years, and it really has worked very well for me. But a big part of that, when I was really sick and in a crisis, was um, 
was broth, bone broth, because there's really good science behind the fact that it's incredibly healing and soothing to the gut. Right, right. And I think this is something that people are starting to become a little bit more aware of these days. Uh, there's definitely some, some fad diets out there, probably started with paleo, a little bit of keto nowadays. And Well, it's, you know, yeah, it's a fad and it's, you know, a growing fad because people are getting relief from health issues, people are losing weight. Um, but the thing that I love about it is that this is not something new. Bone broth has been around for a long, long time. I mean, it's a classic element of good cooking, and no matter where you are. I mean, if you're talking about Asian cooking, they're always boiling a pot of bones. Talking about French cooking, it's the basis for classic sauces. So it's really allowed about flavor. And of course, as the bone broth fad sort of <laughs> grows, mushrooms, and uh, gets bigger and bigger, a lot of people are doing turning to powdered drinks in an effort to sort of get what they think they need. But Brainy Belly is about health and flavor. Mm, yeah, you definitely take a take a more culinary approach to it, which at least to me, and no pun intended, but it's a little bit more digestible that way because I don't have to, um, like when I encounter your products in the wild, so yeah. to speak, I'm like, oh, look, food. <laughs> yeah, not like, exactly. Not like, oh, someone's trying to sell me this gel that's going to fix something yeah. that's broke about No, me. our new motto is stop drinking Drek. What, and what is this? What well, is Drek? We've had so many customers come back to us and say, oh my God, I was using powdered bone broth and thinking I was on the right path. And and then I tried yours. And it's like the heavens opened up and they were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is so, so Drek, much better. Drek is powdered bone broth? Yeah. Got it, got it. So you d describe your products and kind of take us through what's available. And then what we would def definitely want to do for folks is kind of break them in gently and then eventually get to the cocktail side of this. Because I feel like people are thinking like bone, like what are you guys talking about? Like this right. is absolute nonsense. So let's move from what we know and then kind of break people sure. into what they might be a little bit hesitant about. Well, uh, we basically get deliveries, boxes and boxes of bones and uh, we make broth from them and uh, we get wonderful beef bones from uh, my Amish butcher up in Pennsylvania. All of his beef are grass-fed and grass-finished, no grain ever. So um, it's a little bit different flavor, but I think it's a better flavor and um, a certain amount less fat. And then um, our chicken bones come from D'Artagnan, who is a well-known supplier to restaurateurs and more and more to the general public. Uh, I like their birds because they are a heritage bird that is bred for flavor rather than for size. So these are really good flavored birds. And the bones reflect it. I mean, mm. and they're pasture raised. So you get a lot more gelatin in the bones. Then we also do lamb and we do um, duck. duck. <laughs> also from D'Artagnan. I had to look at the sheet for a minute. Um, again, uh, the, the whole point is flavor, first of all, and then uh, gelatin content. So flavor is First and foremost, because if it doesn't taste good, nobody's going to want to deal with it. And then the gelatin, which is a healing aspect, is really just a bonus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can say, for your example, your cocktail, you're, you're really going to relax and take care of yourself. Sure, sure. <laughs> um... Yeah, we'll get to, I want to talk about a couple of like, okay. quote unquote, health trends and cocktails. We'll definitely get there, but I'm, I'm interested in this gelatin. Mm -hmm. um, 
What on what? earth is gelatin? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I hear a lot about. So, like, where in the in this Union Kitchen food incubator, you keep on hearing about a lot about again these fads. One of these things that I hear about are collagen bars, where people are making bars, yeah. and then trying to stuff collagen in there. Right. So, is this similar, different? Oh, it's a really good question. So uh, gelatin is sort of the natural substance that emerges from the bones. Um, it's really interesting because when we get them, they're smooth, shiny, glossy, and then we pressure cook them. And when we're done cooking them, it looks like the lunar landscape. Mm. The bones are pitted and, and, um, and dull looking because the gelatin has all come out of them. And uh, gelatin is a natural source of collagen. So when you hear people talking about collagen bars, that is the powdered form that has been derived, probably in a different way than what we do it. I mean, we're taking bones and pressure cooking them. Other sources of collagen include hides and hooves and the other parts that nothing you know, is being done with. Mm. It's certainly probably a less expensive source than what I'm going after. For sure. But it is a little bit of a surprise to people sometimes to find out exactly where their collagen comes from. Mm, right, right. Yeah, I feel like there's less appeal of eating a hoof uh, <laughs> in most cases than, than you know drinking some bone broth. Well, most collagen sources are clearly labeled as to exactly how they were sourced and what they were extracted from. But it, it again, you know, I mean, we're all about flavor and... Uh, to me, that's what it's really all about, mm -hmm. is good food, as you put it. It's food. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were telling me earlier that you boil the bones with the meat on them for that reason, and that made me also wonder about marrow. Yeah. Um, is this something that also kind of impacts the product? Because I know that... like. What does bone marrow do? Well, it makes blood. It's kind of like one of these like very valuable uh, human kind of fluids. No, it's an important part of your body, sure. Maybe not human, but yeah, mammal fluids right. that, that's important no, for no, it's, it's regeneration, where, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And and the, the farm wife name for marrow has always been bone butter. And that should mm. tell you something about what the effect is when you use it to cook with because it's very rich tasting. And yes, we use a lot of beef shanks when we make our beef broth. And the same thing is true for chicken, duck, and lamb. Okay. There may be less of it, but it does definitely impact the flavor. Okay, got it, got it. So you take these things, you boil them down, and then in the end you have basically, in a, I guess, a similar way of, you know, where, when you make bitters like we do, you take something tasty and you put it in you something. It. Yeah. yeah, or you extract it and you, right. you, you take that flavor and transfer it from one place to another kind of liquid place. And so now we've got this bone broth and uh, it goes off to either your online store where you fulfill e-commerce mm -hmm. um, or it goes off to a retailer. And um, what, what, do, what do people do with it when they get it? Well, I, I get this question a lot. And, and the thing is, is it's really kind of unlimited uh, what you can do with it because We've just started packaging it in six-ounce cups because it makes a very refreshing drink. And uh, when you consider that a lot of people are working out or exercising and trying to replenish um, salts and fluids and collagen, then mm -hmm. there it is right there, easily accessible in a cup. Mm -hmm. um, but in cooking, you can use it... Uh, 
For example, if you wanted to make risotto or if you wanted to make pasta, it would bring a lot of richness to your dish to, instead of, you know, you don't have to substitute completely broth, but you could use half water, half broth. Mm -hmm. um, I, my favorite way to use it, and it doesn't change, is if I have, um, sauteing a few vegetables, uh, I'll do some onions, maybe a little garlic, throw in some fresh vegetables, and finish with a half cup of bone broth. And what happens is it goes from looking very tasty to suddenly you have this rich, silky sauce that has just mm. picked the whole thing up. Yeah, so it's great for sauces, for sure. Great for sauces. People use it as a base for soups. Um, that certainly is the classic use of it. But uh, saucing is something that people maybe don't think of right away. But the thing about this broth is with all that gelatin in it, it has this wonderful mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. And so not only does the flavor explode, but you've got this sort of satisfying feeling of eating something that's really complex and interesting. Right. And it, fe it feels rich and it certainly is rich, mm -hmm. but it's not rich because it's just loaded with fat. Right. No, that's the thing is we, we skim the fat. We don't pack it with any fat at all. And people sometimes get confused between the gelatin and fat because... Our broth literally comes out clumpy because there's so much gelatin in it. And people will say, oh, that's fat. No, that's gelatin, the source of all this collagen. And collagen, you've got to remember, the reason people are so excited about it is it's the building block for every kind of tissue in your body. Mm. So I'm in my 60s now, and I do a lot of demos at grocery stores, and I talk to people about the fact that it's going to be good for your nails and your skin, your eyes and your hair, and I can feel them giving me the once-over and trying to figure out, okay, just how old do you think she is? Mm. So I like to tell them that I'm 108 and that the broth <laughs> is keeping me looking very young. <laughs> nice. That's a good, that's a, that's a, that's a good in-store uh, strategy for yeah. sure. No, the look on their face is priceless. <laughs> yeah, so I that that uh, my favorite way I think to use it is uh, what I'll do is I'll I, I I like to make bulk bulk soup, so like like sure. gallons yeah. of, of, so of chicken soup. For... Yeah, leftovers in my house are very important because right. my schedule is does not belong to me. Right, I'm um, running around all over the place, so if it's not in the fridge ready to go into the the microwave, then it's useless to me. Right. So what I'll do is I'll make chicken soup where I'll actually bake off a chicken boil the chicken carcass and then strip the meat but then i'll add to that soup one of your packets of bone broth yeah and the nice thing is that that ends up being a lot more fulfilling for me when i'm eating it on the sure. go yeah. so that's no, how it, i use it i mean it, i encourage people to to make broth at home i mean it, it isn't a difficult thing to do every time you eat chicken just Take the bones off the plate, put it in a plastic bag in the freezer, and when you've got a full bag, drop it in a pot and, and simmer it, and there you are. Mm -hmm. um, but what you're doing is you're taking our broth, which is the equivalent of a big, long cook, and, and adding it to, to what you're doing, so you're getting the benefit of both. Right. I'm kind of turbocharging or you're supplementing. You're turbocharging, absolutely. Turbocharging, <laughs> right. So, all right. So we, we've kind of got this sense that you know you're doing something that's maybe a little bit different from some of the other bone broths out there. And you've recently made a little video. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this video actually is what sparked my idea for this little conversation. So could you talk about what this video is aimed to demonstrate? Well, I mean, there is a big market out there for these powdered bone broths. And, you know, I have a lot of customers who will tell me, oh, yeah, well, when I travel, it's hard to take frozen broth along, and so I take the powdered when I travel. 
But again, I've had this experience over and over again when I'm at an event or I'm doing a demo and somebody is familiar with the powdered bone broth and then they taste our broth for the first time, they're amazed at the difference in the flavor. So we wanted to help people understand we can't convey the flavor. Um, you know, a lot of pretty Instagram pictures, you try and evoke the flavor, but what we can do is show people the difference in what our broth looks like coming out of the package and the other broths that are processed differently. For example, very popular is the Tetra Pack, which is the foil line box that sits on the shelf, shelf stable for three years. Mm. <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about what happens to this. Right, right, right. <laughs> so we, we came up with a way, uh, we thought, to sort of show this comparison without talking about it too much, because that can get old. People's eyes sort of glaze over. So we, we, we've launched um, the Bone Broth Race series. We're going to have a series of steak races, as in S-T-A-K-E. We're thinking we'll start perhaps with the sirloin steak and okay. go on to... Beautiful. <laughs> and we're going to... We put our broth up against our competitors' broth, and uh, we ice them so that they've uh, gotten a chance to chill and gel, and we compare the temperature. We want everything to be very fair. Then we march them up the ramp to the starting line, and when the bell rings, the race is on mm -hmm. to see who gets to the bottom of the ramp the fastest. Okay. And is this a race you want to win, or is this more of a golf <laughs> score type thing? Well, we're not very good at winning races because our broth comes out of the package in a clump. You know, it's gelled. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we want people to see is the difference between our broth and all the others because you don't see that coming out of a Tetra Pak. They have to subject it to such a high temperature that they're destroying the gelatin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you find this in a lot of, um, I guess, specialty foods where people are trying to strike that balance between shelf life and then, but then like, keeping the actual ingredients intact. Yeah, uh, no. It's a tricky thing to do. But just to kind of go back to what you were saying, so you, you actually stick these in an ice bath, right? So you take both packages of bone broth mm -hmm. at room temperature, then you well, stick them in a, an ice bath. Yeah, and we, we give them a good chill because mm -hmm. that's only fair. So you're getting these things to like between 30 and 40 degrees? Yeah, probably about 30, 34, 35 degrees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... What happens? What literally, like, what does it look like when you tip both of these containers over at the same time? What does it look like? Well, I had to uh, caution my helper to take it easy because we're <laughs> comparing a six ounce container of Brainy Belly with a somewhat larger container of uh, our competitor's broth. And, you know, there's only so much space to catch all that liquid. Um, Brainy Belly clumps down the ramp looking sort of like a slinky on a staircase if uh -huh. it moves at all. Right. And our competitor quickly sloshes to the bottom of the, the ramp and is collected in a pan. <laughs> right, right. And this, is, this ramp is just a, um, it's a, like a cook it baking, a baking sheet, sheet covered right. with... With, with, uh, oh, with the lanes and start and finish yeah. and flags. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Highly spectators, adorned. Spectators and cheering and... <laughs> You need to like find a name, uh, make it a like a racetrack or a stadium name for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think that's a good idea. You know, we'll have trophies and you know, women in big hats and yeah, yeah. Oh, I can see this really. So when do these videos uh, launch? Well, we're we're putting them together and uh, you know, getting all of the bugs worked out as far as uh, lighting so that it's uh, possible to see. We got our Zamboni transport 
figured out. Okay. And uh, I have some great helpers who are, you know, fabulous hand models who are, you know, finding ways to express the bra's personality and the as they uh, move from the saddling paddock to the start. Good. Yeah. So well, it sounds like this is going to be an interesting series, and we'll definitely, as soon as it's up, we'll slap a, slap some links up on the show notes oh, page. Thanks, Eric. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I like it because I think it's a great way to uh, portray what you're, what you're bringing to the table without necessarily uh, being negative about your competitors, because you're not being negative. You're being fair. Yeah. Um, you're just kind of putting things up for comparison. You found a, a, an interesting way to identify how much is packed into your product by you know using temperature yeah. as an objective kind of condition sure. yeah. and you just see what happens. I think that's great. Yeah, if you talk to people who are learning to make bone broth, that is the gold standard. Did it gel? Did it gel? And so uh, everyone wants to figure out how to cook it properly so that they don't destroy the gelatin mm -hmm. and yet they benefit from the gelatin. So, so it's like if your souffle doesn't implode or something. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you want to cook, you want to cook well, and you want it to taste good, but it also should have the, the texture and the feel that you yeah. want. So Cool. We're working on it. Well, that's great. I, I love your products, and um, what I want to do now is uh, see if we can use, like, this one bone broth cocktail. It's kind of been hanging out in the, in the cocktail cannon, and see if we can move forward and give people other ideas of what they can do with bone broth. Sure. Um, just so people know, I'm so I'm actually taking 30 days off of cocktails or any sort of alcohol. And so I actually bought like a case of those, those little shots. Yeah. So I'm going to be using those um, for libationary and or, you know, kind we of are happy, supplemental We are happy purposes. to support your project, Eric. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but uh, so we've got this cocktail called the Bull Shot. And you've got the recipe in front of you there. So can you just talk people through what the ingredients are in this kind of like seminal uh, bone broth cocktail? Sure. I mean, this is easily found on the web. Um, there's a lot of versions of it. But the, the key is to use a, a, a beef broth full of flavor and then uh, set it off with an accent and, and provide a good match with the spirit. Mm-hmm. So, for example, this recipe uses vodka and then uh, beef bouillon or beef consommé, which is very similar to what we make, dash of lemon juice, Worcestershire sauce, and Tabasco sauce. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's a classic because you get the flavor from the broth, mm -hmm. and then you get the little acid from the uh, condiments that set it off, and mm -hmm. of course then the vodka. But key is not to use a broth that's oversalted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I actually hadn't thought of that. Um, so this reminds me, I'll, tell, I'll be honest, this reminds me of a Cosmo. Mm -hmm. uh, not in flavor profile whatsoever, but in some of the moves that it makes. So uh, Cosmo, obviously vodka-based. And then you've got in the cranberry juice a little bit of that acidity and that acidity. comes in with the lemon. Yeah. And... It's not a perfect analogy, but another like cocktail type move that's being made here is the Worcestershire sauce and the uh, the Tabasco sauce. Yeah. It's kind of like your bitters. Yeah, and certainly a savory kind of approach versus mm -hmm. something that might be a little bit more sweet. Mm -hmm. And um, but you know, I mean, I, this is served cold, but the other approach would be to make a hot cocktail, mm -hmm. like a toddy. 
Right. And, you know, I get a lot of interest from um, bars and restaurants during the winter months of how could they do a, a toddy. And, you know, I get a lot of people who try my broth and they go, oh, such a cup of comfort. And mm-hmm. so imagine taking a toddy if you weren't feeling well or if you were just, again, moving into a relaxed mode. How nice that hot broth with a spirit could be. Right. Well, and and here's something that I think is really important on the cocktail front, especially with bone broth. A lot of cocktail ingredients and cocktails themselves, if you go back far enough, are kind of medicinal in their usage. Yeah, We don't recognize them as medicinal today because we understand that really you're just making yourself feel better, but in, and in most cases you're not actually making yourself better. Um, but with a, a toddy, I, I mean, I remember when I, I think I had one when I was a kid. I think my grandmother gave me one to make me shut up one night. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sure it was more about quieting your cough, Eric. Yes. Well, I had a cough too. But yeah, so in, in a traditional toddy, and there's you know dozens and dozens of recipes out there, but in traditional toddy, you're going to have a tea of some sort. Um, some people use like a chamomile, so like an herbal tea, and then some people will go more along the lines of a black tea or something like that. You know, it really depended back in the old days on what you had. Sure. And then you're going to put in a shot of spirit. So this mm-hmm. could be, you know, in the bull shot, we've got an ounce and a half. The spirit, when you're, when you're working with bone broth in, in most cases, you're probably going to be working with bone broth in an amount that might equate to like a highball cocktail situation in where you're adding more of the non-spiritous ingredient than you are of the spiritous sure, ingredient. Sure, yeah, and, and the broths are different. I mean, the, the beef broth is more substantial and has a heftier sort of flavor, whereas uh-huh. the chicken broth is, uh, I don't know, it's sort of more evocative for people because more people are used to a steaming pot of chicken on the stove than mm-hmm. they are beef stock. So it it does that, but also it's just a brighter, maybe a little bit more refreshing flavor. Sure. And then when you go to the lamb and the duck, both of those are alike in the fact that there's just really layers and layers of rich complexity. Right. So, you know, that would be sort of a whole different approach. But again, the idea that you're pairing a spirit with something that is sort of of equal flavor value because uh-huh. you don't want it to taste like vodka. You don't want it to taste totally like the spirit. You want it to enhance the flavor. Mm-hmm. So it'd be a matter of kind of matching things that fit well. Right. This is also something that I wanted to talk about because you've got the darker tastes like the, the duck, the lamb and the, and the, um, the beef. And, you know, I suppose there's you know, different, you know, kind of, depths to them like you were describing but to me those would be great with a whiskey yeah um and then you know maybe with the um with the chicken something more along the lines of a gin or a vodka or something like that would Mm be kind of the pairings that i would go with do you find that any of your flavors lend themselves better to being drunk cold well, I'm a big fan of cold broth, and uh, it's something that I'm having to introduce to the world because not a lot of people are there. Although I think I have a, an ally in the cocktails because they're being served cold. Mm-hmm. and um, But all of them have a slightly different character, cold. And again, if you, you don't want to go for a high salt, even though that sounds like it's what you're going to want to do that's sort of the commercial broth approach they replace flavor with a lot of salt right but we purposely leave the salt out and let the broth sort of come through 
So yeah, I think chicken broth is the uh, natural choice. It's it's very bright, very refreshing when it's mm -hmm. cold. Beef broth I like, but of course you just have to watch out because it's really unpleasant if it's a if there's fat in the broth when it's chilled. You don't really want to have clumps of fat. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's difficult to work with in the cocktail space. Yeah. And mixologists have been, you know, the, the professional mixologists, not not necessarily most of the time home bartenders who are the audience of this show, but, you know, professional mixologists will play in this sphere with fat washing and, and all of this stuff, but it's, um, it's very tricky and it almost always needs to be done at scale to make sense. Yeah, I mean, we just make a point of it. Uh, one of the things you hear from other producers of beef broth is, oh my God, there's just so much fat. I mean, it's, it's a big challenge to deal with it. Uh, we roast the bones first, so there's fat that comes off the bones at that point, and then we when we go and we package it, we we draw from the bottom of the pot so that we don't get near the fat when exactly. we package, and uh, we still have a big container of fat to deal with mm -hmm. at the end. So, got it. Not something you want in a cocktail. Right, right, right. Richness comes from the gelatin anyway. It's mm -hmm. not the fat. But in a in a, I feel like you know the beef for me would really be most appealing in like a toddy mm -hmm. with a nice. You know, something yeah, like a nice with dark a whiskey. tea yeah. and paired with whiskey yeah. and maybe a squeeze of lemon or something. Oh, yeah. No, that would that would fix you right up. Mm. I think I can think of sitting down with a little bit of a cold coming on and, and, and knocking it right out. Exactly, exactly. And, and bitterness is, is also something I wanted to bring up briefly. A couple, a couple things. I want to talk about bitterness and then get to uh, what we're going to be using for the featured cocktail for this episode, which is the Bloody Mary, which is kind of one of these quintessential savory cocktails that I think we have real opportunities to incorporate bone broth with. So we'll, we'll get there. But so with bitterness, I'm thinking the there's one cocktail that I've, I've had in the past that has actually given to me physiological benefits when I was just, I had this cold, my nose was running like a faucet and I, I looked up just on a lark, you know, oh, cocktails with, the, to fix <laughs> a cold, for cold, right? You know, cause I, <clears throat> I was just done with this. I knew I wasn't going to sleep anyway. So, you know, I was just going to knock myself out with a cocktail. And so I came up with this cocktail called the old Alliance, old spelled mm. like old Lang Syne. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in reference to the, old alliance between the Jacobite uh, Scotsman nice. and the French. Nice. And so the this drink contains, I believe it's like an ounce of scotch, an ounce of green chartreuse, Whew. and a bar spoon each of Benedictine and Grand Marnier. Wow. And so it's very boozy. You stir it up. And but rich and complex. I mean, right. talk about complexity. Very, very complex. And that complexity comes from the between the Benedictine and the Chartreuse, that's easily over 150 herbs and spices right, that are in right, there. Right, right, right. Because exactly. Chartreuse alone has over 100 herbs. Oh, I'm just in the imagining recipe. the layers to it. So, as soon as I had this drink, everything dried up within 30 <laughs> seconds of me taking a sip of it, and it lasted for about an hour. Nice. And then I started, you know, but but yeah. it was it was crazy. So, you know, I, I, would, I would recommend that if anyone out there is feeling brave, it's something that I'm maybe after my 30 days are, are up and uh, I'm, I'm back experimenting with cocktails again, I, I might take upon myself. But I think there's an opportunity to use some of these, certainly bitters, especially in a hot toddy, bitters are great. Um, but maybe even some liqueurs in there because one of the things that you're not going to be seeing a whole lot 
in these cocktails with bone broth is sweetness. Right. And I think if you're going to have sweetness with a bone broth, it really needs to be balanced out with some of these herbs. Yeah. And I think some of these herbal liqueurs and, right. and in certain cases the Amari are really primed for this, but there's going to have to be some trial and error involved, especially yeah. with the ratio. So I'm curious if any, anybody's listening out there has an opportunity to start messing around with this and you're willing to maybe pour a couple down the sink... Um, on our behalf, and I know Janelle and I would definitely be interested in what you come up with. Oh yeah, I'd love to, love to hear about it. All right, Bloody Mary. Yeah, classic. You like Bloody Marys? Well, yeah, I mean, the classic pairing, right? The tomato Yeah. and, uh, and beef. Right. I mean, think of short ribs, think of barbecue, think of all the times that beef and tomato are paired. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just works. And chicken too. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, that's a little different approach. Um, but again, you know, my I guess my favorite is the beef. So probably I just go there first. Right. Um, and chicken would be a little bit different flavor, more of a piccata sort of dish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a big trend these days, especially at brunch restaurants. And here in D.C., brunch we, is we big. brunch. Yeah. Yes, we brunch. So not me so much. <laughs> I, I say we as in like the yeah, yeah. the pejorative we. Yeah. Um, so there, you'll see, especially on the, the Instagrams, you know, the, like people will take pictures of these elaborate Bloody Marys with these huge garnishes where there's shrimps and onion rings and stuff in there. So, so eating your cocktail has become a little bit more... The salad cocktail. Yeah, yeah. A little bit more interesting, a little bit more desirable, I guess. And the problem is that if you're at home and you're making yourself a Bloody Mary, if you're making a pitcher of Bloody Marys because you're entertaining, you're not going to go out of the way and do these massive garnishes that take a lot of time and are hard to execute. But think about it. I mean, with the garnish, yes, it's pretty and it's Instagrammable, but it also is a way of, of, of creating complexity right? and interesting layers of flavor. Mm-hmm. So why not just start with a really good broth and mm-hmm. there you are you're you're well on your way to duplicating the complexity without all the garnish and without right so in like a don't think you... of it as just a base is what i'm saying not just a, a way to sort of convey the the alcohol but think of it as as really a way to build something that's interesting and tasty well right and especially with the bloody mary in many cases people use it as a hair of the dog a, bit yeah. of a hangover sure. thing so you might as well while you're trying to cure yourself of the harm that you did, maybe <laughs> throw in, Refresh yourself. Throw Come in on, some collagen, Harry. right? Yeah. There you go. So what would you... If, if you had to make a, a Bloody Mary, and, and if this doesn't turn out to work, no one's going to come to your door with pitchforks and torches, but like if you had to make a... Let's say you were making like a pitcher of Bloody Marys and you wanted to serve like four to six people... Well, I would definitely start with a bag of beef bone broth, and that'd mm-hmm. be 24 ounces. 24 ounces, uh-huh. and then maybe... Um... You know, I don't know that I would match it with tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. I think that that might be a little much. I think tomato sauce could come in as sort of the... Or tomato juice would come in as the, something more along the lines of 16 ounces, mm-hmm. so that you then would have, uh, you know, the... The, the, the beef still dominating, I think. The tomato would enhance it. And then I think the idea of using some, the herbal liqueur, I mean, rosemary is mm. fabulous with beef. 
Yeah. And uh, so something along those lines that had that strong kind of herbal sure. flavor. Yeah, there's a lot of great opportunities with, with herbal garnishes with Bloody Marys, especially because they tend to be a little thicker and so you can get stuff to stand up in the glass a little <laughs> bit. So I was actually thinking that I would have done it the opposite way where bone broth is sort of like the the half and then the tomato juice is, is the, it, it all depends on what you're using for tomato juice, you're using something yeah. chunkier. Yeah. Um, but basically what you and I just described, mine was more of like the classic and yours would be like the upside down. And this is a big thing in cocktails. There's the martini where it's mm -hmm. two ounces of gin, one ounce of dry vermouth. And then there's upside down martini where, and it's really been gaining in popularity because you know, a lot more tasty vermouths are out there. So you've got the vermouth dominating there with the gin still there. So I think the moral of the story is there's a great opportunity, especially in these savory cocktails like the Bloody Mary to start working Turn it upside broth. down. Yeah. Turn it upside down. Just go for something with really good flavor and not too much salt. Mm -hmm. That's the key. Yeah. And everyone's going to be different. Some people are going to like different versions of it. So um, what I'd say is if you're thinking of hosting and you want to bust out this little move, maybe the day before or the week before, take an opportunity, make one for yourself, play with some different ratios and see what ends up tasting good to you. And then if you decide to bust out a batch of it, you make a pitcher, then just get feedback from everybody else and see, you know, where your preferences are falling on the spectrum. Sure. I, I, I enjoy that. Anyway. Yeah, sure. Well, generally this has been really fun. Is there anything else you wanted to share with folks about bone broth before we tell them how they can find you on the internet? Just go for the flavor. That's, that's my take on it. Beautiful. You know, that's, it's, it's great that it's healthy, but don't skip on flavor. Yeah. It's a chef's recommendation. That's for sure. right. <laughs> so where can we find you on social media and online? Uh, Brainy Belly has an Instagram account and, uh, we also tweet, but our website is www.brainybelly.com. Beautiful. And even if people are not available here in the DMV area, they can place an order. Oh yeah, we have these fabulous shipping containers that are, uh, you can put it out with the recycling and so there's no styrofoam involved and it keeps the broth frozen for the two days that it takes to be transported. We ship all over the country. Okay, beautiful. So head on over to brainybelly.com if you'd like to pick up uh, some delicious bone broth and if folks are here in Washington, D.C. especially, what are some of the places where they can go that most reliably uh, stock your stuff? Yes, Organics always has it. Uh, Moms will have it beginning in October. Mm, Union Kitchen Grocery usually right. has it. And uh, from there, we're building. So Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Well, all the best to you as we enter this crazy uh, holiday time. <laughs> and uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Eric. It was really fun. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start 
a cocktail revolution here. And by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners, and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember, folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and production assistance by Samantha Reed, some super savory cocktail advice from Janelle Redmond, and a little interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2018.